Good evening, everyone. What's good? It's your girl, King Jazz. Welcome to King Jazz Podcast, where we give advice and sometimes talk trash. Tonight's episode is special to me, and I know it will be essential and helpful for people who are currently going through this or have gone through it and can relate to it. Uh, Tonight's topic, we'll be talking about sobriety. I want to invite a special guest, my girl, all the way from Canada, Valentina. We'll hear her story, and we're going to discuss her journey Um, We also will talk about how to deal with family and friends after treatment regarding them not understanding the process that you're going through, um, why or whatever miscommunication that can happen. Um, Because if you're not going through it, you can't understand it completely. And also, you know, want to give some advice to any family members or friends who sees a friend going through this and how they can be helpful and not harmful to them. Can't wait. Let's get it. So excited to have my girl Valentina in my podcast. <laughs> Welcome, Val. Hi, thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited to have thank- her. Um not a lot of people know that we actually know each other for a long time. It's been a long time mm-hmm. if you think about it. We've Yeah, it's been a few years. Yes, because mm-hmm. we're in 2020. We first met 13, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. 2014, yeah, 2013. Yes. Wow. That is so crazy. So let's discuss a little bit before we start talking about your story. Um, how did how did that all happen? So for those who don't know, how did we meet, Val? We met at uh, Vancouver Film School. Um, we just instantly, I guess, had that connection where, oh, I like you, I like you. And we had Isabella, our other friend, and we were we were just good friends. We were in acting school together, and we had a lot of fun. Well, we hung out yes. a lot. We just bonded so well. Yes, yes, yes. It was such great times when we were there. We have a lot of stories um shout mm-hmm. out to Isa. she's not in our call today but i'll definitely keep her in mind um we met at Vancouver film school like valentina said and we started our journey as actors that's crazy mm-hmm. and now wow. it's been pretty much seven years six seven years and we're still going out i know that's what i'm saying it's been a long time that's crazy oh my gosh it's crazy oh my gosh but you know god has been go- good to both of us mm-hmm. um yeah you know, so i want to talk a little bit about your journey in 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 that process you know going to acting school and stuff like that how was that for you how did you feel going through that process um i loved acting school i've always loved acting um it's a real outlet for me um eat even throughout the years, I've, I love reading scripts. I love becoming a different character. I guess at that time it was to kind of escape a relationship I was in. Um, but it is also very artistic and very uh, soothing and therapeutic for me too. Um, but yeah. So I know many of you know that the topic that we're going to be talking about today or uh, tonight is sobriety. And we're going to be talking about Valentina's journey because I feel like a lot of people really need to hear her story. Um, and 
that's one of the reasons why I was eager to invite her to this podcast because of the things that she survives from. And I know that a lot of people can relate to her story and maybe you're going through it right now and you need to hear a story where someone actually got through it. Um, and I think she's just a prime example that um, even though you go through hard times in life, that it won't stay terrible forever. You know, with good support um, and taking the right steps, you can get through it. So uh, when was the first time you would say that you were like, okay, this is getting out of hand for me? Um, I think when I lost my job, when I first started doing drugs, anyway, I, um, I was, I broke up with my ex-boyfriend who was abusive and I, I left a relationship that was kind of like a, an abusive secret relationship. Like the abuse was secret. I acted as though everything was fine, but he was, a, he was addicted to drugs too and would relapse on me. And trust me, there was a lot of physical abuse, mental abuse. It was pure hell. And um, I ended up, I ended up leaving him and another guy took advantage of the situation of my vulnerability and got me on crystal meth. Um, and it wasn't until three months into it or two months into it, I will never forget it. I remember thinking, I'm gonna be, this is gonna be an addiction and I, I will have to rely on this for the rest of my life. I, I will never forget that moment, that thought wow. before going to bed. And I remember stopping for three weeks because my my other ex just got a rehab and I was like, great opportunity to get clean. I got clean for three weeks and then that reality of, a, of addiction became true because it was two months of using every day that led to an addiction, which is surprising because crystal meth is very addictive. But I'll never forget that, that um, perspective, like that thought and knowing that I will have to use this to get through the day and how crazy and surreal it was to me. Yeah. Wow. And have you ever had moments when, you know, you blacked out and you were like, wait a minute, like, what am I doing? Basically, you know, um, have you ever had moments when you were like, this is, this is not me. Like, what is going on where you just felt like you lost mm -hmm. control of everything? Yeah. So when my when the second boyfriend, the one that took advantage of everything and got me to lose my job, etc., the one that ruined my life, basically not ruined my life, but was a big part of it. Um, when I found out that he frauded my com the company I worked for and did all this stuff behind my back and I realized who he really was, I realized that a person could be a fraud. And that was traumatic for me. That was, how could you do this knowing I left an abusive relationship? And he went to jail, like I, I, I didn't know. So I went through a spiraling, just downward spiral. Um, and my using, at that point, I remember it was insane. I was using drugs that had carfentanil in it. I'll never forget wow. that. I almost died from it. Um, and the scary part was, is when the drugs, it, it looked dirty. That's what the crystal meth looked like. It just looked dirty. Mm -hmm. So when I, but when I took it, um, I just remember I, I was out of breath. I, and I, but I depended on, and that's mm -hmm. what really scared me. Wow. 
I, you know, I, I remember you saying, you know, you've mentioned this a few times that you got the courage to leave this abusive relationship. And I want to ask you, because although this is a side topic, I know that there are a lot of people today that are in abusive relationships, whether it's physical or emotional, and they don't really know how to get out of it. What gave you the strength to get out of that abusive relationship? I would say the strength was my weakness. The Basically three car accidents, ready to commit suicide any minute, and just wanting more out of my life. I just, I really just wanted self-esteem, I guess. I don't know, but I just remember feeling like this is gonna be the, my life for the rest of my life. I can't, I can't do this. Just do it, just, just leave. It's gotten way too bad and just leave it. You know, you know, it's- yeah. It was wow. like uh, trying to save my life, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you think that like triggered you to want to take um, drugs? Do you think that that triggered you to want to take that step, or do you think it's something subconscious that just gradually happened because of the experiences that you've had in your life? Um. No. Prior to my drug use, um, I didn't not even in those two years did I feel triggered but I experienced a lot of trauma okay and I didn't know how to cope I didn't even know I, I I isolated from everybody I had nobody when I left I had nobody okay everybody left me and I just didn't know why I went through it I didn't understand it and I didn't get close to my faith I did the opposite right wow. um yeah. mm-hmm you know trauma is, does that to people when you when you go through trauma i think people they tend to forget that trauma can be something that really if you don't know how to deal mm -hmm. with it healthy you know it can dictate you know the choices that you make where you end up making choices that is not helpful towards you because in the end all you really want is peace and what trauma does is mm -hmm. it takes that away it takes away the benefit of having peace right so yeah you're exactly. left with this void of, you know, I need something to take this memory away, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes yeah. you make choices, whether it is, I remember when we had a personal conversation that I still have that word in my mind where you talk about being codependent, where we can be codependent towards other people, or, you know, we depend on narcotics, or we depend on alcohol, or we depend, we depend mm -hmm. on something else to take that load of, of heaviness, mm -hmm. of void, of trauma away, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Now, I wanted yeah. to ask you, where was it in your life? What would you say that, that happened that made you decide, you know what? I have to get clean. Like, this cannot happen anymore. What was it that happened in your life that gave you that wake-up call to get clean? It was, mm -hmm. it was my rock bottom. And also, um, I didn't really choose it. Choose to get clean. I got a phone call out of nowhere, uh, just at the precise time that every, everybody was leaving my life. But at the same time, I felt as though, Valentina, like you literally have done nothing for the last three years. And I used to use the excuse, I've always been on a schedule. You know, I always had a, an appointment to go to. I always had work. I always had school. So it was like my first break since I was a teen not even a teenager because I, I always had a schedule all my life right mm -hmm. and what I what I learned in rehab was I never got to be a kid either 
right? Wow. So I just I just remember thinking, I remember I had rain boots in treatment and I was thinking and I was like, you know what? My mom and my dad were really like strict on, you know, what we wore, how clean we were. I've never had a pair of rain boots when I was little. Why? Because that makes you messy, you know? So that really did describe my life and what I had to appear mm-hmm. rather than feel. That's the big thing, right? And uh, if you're comfortable with sharing, at what can you describe the moment? Can you describe that moment where you made that choice? Can you just where you were in that position where you you made that choice? You know what? Like this turning back anymore what exactly happened that made you click basically and say I'm, I'm, I'm doing this um nothing it was the oh it was my dogs and my dog everything in my life just went to shit and honestly I got a phone call from a treatment center that I did a bursary program to a, yeah. a year before it just mm-hmm. coincidentally I got it at that time uh, but I wanted to be clean for a quite a while, a while prior yeah. but yeah the, the, that, um, that call was was like the oh wow this is like a sign oh yeah for you. yeah it was a total sign yeah I, I went in psychosis and I thought everybody was setting it up and you know this was you know it was a conspiracy like everybody knew every, everybody phoned this treatment center and got me in and just made it look like this because it was so perfect I remember that one of the last rock bottom moments of my using was borrowing my ex's car, sleeping in it, doing everything in that car, literally running on no gas all the time and looking for little bits of money or whatever to put $5 into the tank. And when I did have it, I would I would be sleep deprived because I couldn't park the car anywhere and sleep because in Vancouver it's so strict. Like yeah. you can't just park and sleep, yeah. right? Um, And I remember it was like two days of no insurance and I'm in North Vancouver. I'm almost at the bridge going over to Vancouver. I was going to go to the casino because I had a gambling problem too when I used mm-hmm. and um, I had no money. Like I had five dollars to my name, right? But dur- but I don't know. I went into a parking lot and I was almost falling asleep because I haven't slept in so long, but I was using drugs to keep me awake. Wow. And I fell asleep with the engine running and my foot on the brake. Okay? I had a quarter tank left and by the time I w- I had a police officer knock on my window, he felt bad for me. He said, "Um, excuse me, miss. Um, you're not uh I see that you haven't had insurance for two days. Can you please step out of the car and come back when you have insurance?" Um and, you know, can and then just go on with your day kind of thing. It was like four in the morning, okay? And I was in the middle of a parking lot with the brake on, with the car on, okay? And a police officer felt bad for me, right? And I go, I have to call my ex-boyfriend. It's his car and he needs to pick me up and it's raining, so he don't want me waiting outside the car. And he goes, okay, fine. So I pretend to call my ex-boyfriend. Nobody's on the phone. And I go, okay, where are you? 
okay. So I pretended he was in Abbotsford, which is like an hour away from Vancouver. And I go, officer, um, he's in Abbotsford, but he's on his way now. And he's like, okay, but don't go anywhere. And I was like, I won't. So I waited till 6 a.m. because I remembered that that's where, when the police officers do shift change, right? <laughs> Supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> and I booked it out of North Van. I don't know how I got to Burnaby with no gas. <laughs> like with, what? It, From it North was crazy. Van to Burnaby? Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, it's the Grand Villa Casino. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And yeah. And this whole time I'm thinking, you know, all I wanted was somebody to be like, you know, get better rather than just condemn me over what I'm doing for, you know, reasons, right? Like, been through a lot and nobody was ever there to say are you okay valentina how are you doing it was always go to rehab you're a junkie you're this you're that you know and that's a big big uh it's hurtful yeah yeah you know now that you're bringing that up that was actually one of the questions that i wanted to ask you what advice would you give to family members and uh, friends who have a significant other who is going through this process right now and they don't really know how to be helpful, how to support them while they're going through this journey where it can be a positive impact for them. What advice would you give them um, to help that significant other? What advice? I would not... Okay, my using became like I wasn't... I was intoxicated day in and day out. I could not go a minute sober, okay? My using was extreme and my using controlled every aspect with, which happens with most addicts. But the thing is, is my parents strangely did the best they, the best thing for me, which was leave me to die. And same with my ex, because an addict gets comfortable and I had a, I always had a place to stay, even though I was sleeping in my ex's car. I always knew I could go to my parents' house. I knew I could hide drugs there. I could hide guns there. I could hide whatever there. You know what I mean? Anything illegal, I could hide. And no one, you know, I, I, I thought I was, you know, like I could do anything. And that's what kept me going was the fact that I had a place, that I had food, that I had all the my needs were met in reality. I just wanted to f around, right? Um, so I think it's like to, to not enable, honestly, and by enable means give them an ultimatum because that's going to save your life. That's going to save their life. Right. In the end, it's going to be beneficial for them. Oh yeah. Cause I wouldn't have stopped. Like I was living, like I was living so, I was, I was my, I wasn't living. I was surviving. Right. And mm. I was okay with that because on drugs, I'm okay with that. As soon as I put drugs into my body, I'm okay with sleeping in a crack shack. I'm okay with sleeping downtown Eastside. I'm okay with the worst case scenario. I'm okay with the home invasion. I'm okay with anything as long as I have my drugs. That's wow. the f- fucked up part. Right. So yeah. it changes somebody. Mm-hmm. Wow. So do you think that your, your family and friends giving you an ultimatum? did it uh, basically put like the cherry on the cake when it came to your sobriety? Yes and no. Um, because at that point I wanted to kill myself because it's like nobody knows what I've been through. 
and why I act this way. And they leave me and call me like my ex is calling me a junkie and, you know, saying that I wasn't going to, I wasn't good for anything. And, you know, because of all the pain I've caused, but if it wasn't for, you know, the opportunity to go into treatment, I guess that helped me say yes to treatment because I had no other option. Wow. But I, it's not like I was seeking treatment. I was ready to just kill myself slowly. Give up. Yeah. I was actually, yeah. And I was actually, I always thought, they say crystal meth kills you. I'm waiting, not working. Like literally, I said that to myself numerous times. And what do you think helped you get out of that dark place? Because I know what it is to have to be in that dark place to feel like suicidal like life is just not working how you expected it to work you know you're you're going through a lot of pain and you feel like nobody's really listening to you which I want to put a disclaimer mm-hmm. out there anybody who is going through suicide thoughts right now there is a national suicide prevention lifeline um, a 1-800 number that you can contact um, anybody um if you need somebody to talk to um, because you feel suicidal at this point, help is always available 24 times a day. So I'm going to say the 1-800 number here, but I'm also going to put it on the description box for anybody that needs help and they need somebody to talk to right away, which is Mm -hmm. National Suicide Prevention Lifetime, 1-800-273-8255. So uh, once again, 1-800-273-8255. Going back to what you were saying, Valentina, I know exactly how it feels to to feel like that. And I wanted to ask you what it is that helped you that that to get out of that dark place. What is it that gave you the strength to say, you know what, although I'm feeling like this right now, I don't want to act upon it um, anymore. Uh, because I know that at that moment, probably you felt like you wanted to act upon it very strongly. But mm-hmm. what is it that you um, change your mind? God. God, that's for sure. God, because mm -hmm. because I I kept saying to myself, I should have died every single day of, you know, I lived a crazy life, especially when I was using. So there are numerous times where I was like, I don't know how I survived that. I don't know how I survived that. So at the end of it, I'm like, God, please help me. I don't know how, but please help me because I know there's something, you know, I'm supposed to be here for a reason or else, you know that could have killed me that could have killed me I'm still alive but I'm suffering right um yeah and I didn't know at the time because I lost myself completely I don't actually remember who I was before using still to this day like I I grasped a little bit but to go back to that person isn't possible and I remember losing that person and not even remembering what they what they were like right um yeah so i just said you you know surrendering basically because i can't run my life yeah so once you did that prayer you felt a strength a peace at your heart what is it that you felt once you did that prayer honestly i i felt like he wasn't even listening it wasn't until the signs of treatment you know he started talking to me i couldn't on drugs you can't really listen to god you can't hear God. You can, but you can't, right? You're not open to it. You you have a compulsive obsession that is number one in your life that took you away from God, that takes you away from your family, that takes you away from everything important, 
right? And I went through that in step one is the compulsive behavior, the obsession. When you have an obsession, which is, you know, it's an idol. Right. Really. You're, you're putting it, you know, you're putting everything below this drug. Yeah. Right. So nothing's going to work out in your life and you're not listening to anything but how to get more drugs. Right. That's true. That is absolutely spiritual blindness. And yeah, spiritual blindness and being spiritually deaf. Wow. So what advice do you want? Can you give to young people or even older people who are going through that process right now? They want to take this step of going to rehab, but they feel scared of you know the change or they feel scared to confront the things that they've been trying to suppress or you know they probably just don't feel ready but they know that they need to do this change what advice would you give to those people for them to take that step don't look back don't look back um people will you know your mind will trick you and say oh your life won't be happy you won't be happy in life you know you're gonna get off this drug so it's gonna make you feel like this you're gonna be like this um you're not gonna have fun you're gonna be hanging out with sober people and aa and but that's not true honestly everybody's like i remember being at meetings at, at you know when i first got into treatment and people were like recovery it's it's that it made my life what it is today I'm so happy it's better than any day using and I'm like but I feel so good when I use but honestly no and I was you know I was convinced that using was funner but Mm. no day no bad days in in sobriety will ever beat a day in addiction even a good day in addiction is better is let okay let me just say that again. I get it. So your worst day in sobriety <laughs> is better than any day in addiction. Hands down. When you're wow. coherent. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What and uh I wanna know what's a common myth you think that people have when it comes to the process of sobriety that you think that people think like oh this is this is what it is but it's really not that oh this is my favorite this is what i you know i think that um that you're going to gain weight that you're going to look worse that you're going to be depressed because your mood is always up right high and no none of that or you're going to be dumber right because some of them are stimulants some drugs are stimulants right and it's mm-hmm. not true none of it is true because you gotta you know people think that drugs for example um control your metabolism right and you know do extraordinary things like that but i'll tell you something it's the day i got into treatment i'm the same weight right now and the, all my way into treatment all I think I even lost weight in treatment. And I was on a I was on crystal meth, which is, you know, one that um a lot is the one that causes the most weight to gain out of every drug when you leave it, other than heroin, right? Is because mm-hmm. you're all you know, it makes it suppresses your appetite. But all these myths of I'm gonna gain fifty pounds, I'm going to look ugly, I'm going to 
they're all not true you're gonna look better your skin's gonna be nicer you're you're gonna have spirit in your eyes for once you're not gonna look like a dead zombie walking around right they're all right. myths mm-hmm. that's that's very interesting that you're talking about all of these and i think it's, it's good that you, you you said these things because um a lot of people you said they have a misconception of of how the process is so it's good that you said mm-hmm. these things. um i wanted to ask you with everything that you know now what do you wish you had known then you know like when you started out with everything that you know now to help you like if you had to go back in time and speak to younger valentina you know this process um what would you advise her what would you say follow don't worry follow your heart don't worry you'll find a way because i was convinced that i had to follow my parents advice and people around me even though i didn't feel comfortable and even though because i went to a treatment in vancouver island first right and i hated it there like i mean i understand this is treatment i'm away for treatment but i can't live here this is not where i'm going to progress this is not where you know i'm going to be happy and you know this is just not the place for me and i knew it but when i left i had nothing so my only option was to go back to my parents house but my parents didn't said no nope, you have to be there for a year we're not taking you back So I was kind of stuck, but I took a leap of faith. I ended up relapsing, but it totally changed my perspective on everything, right? Anyway, that's a different story, but that leap of faith got, you know, manifested another leap of faith, and it just brought me back to God. Wow. And now look at you today. You're in a great position, you know? Yes. Um, and what keeps you going? What would you say keeps you going every day? the i think the what keeps me going is wanting things in life and knowing that i have a purpose now and i have to fulfill it and it's wow. not my life anymore it's god's life right and also the fact that everybody does want to see me use you know it's not it's like i i have too much respect for myself now i can't explain it i don't ever want to be that junkie or addicted to anything. I quit smoking too. It's going to be 2 weeks tomorrow. And I wow. haven't quit I've been smoking since I was 13 years old and I only quit 2 no, months out of that 13, was that was a little talk. 13 years. Yeah. That was that little mm-hmm. talk, remember? I remember. Mhm. Congratulations mm-hmm. on that by the way. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm very proud of you. This is this Thank is you. great. This is such great information. Um I know that everyone that heard this conversation tonight, any one of you who have gone through this or are, are experiencing this right now, I hope that every everything that we spoke about tonight ministered to you some some way or form. And Valentina, I want to thank you for taking this opportunity to have this conversation with me. We will for sure be doing another episode together where we'll we'll talk about lighter things, you know, our experiences and acting and stuff like that. Um I want to thank, thank you again. Thank Thank you. Thank you for having me. I want to thank Valentina once again for being 
a guest in this episode and I just want to put a disclaimer out there for anybody that is going through the process or want to make the decision of um, getting clean from any addiction that they have, please do the research and look for any local resources that you have or support groups and don't be afraid to reach out to any family members or friends that you know will support you and can help you any step of the way. Um, thank y'all so much for the support thus far. I'm so grateful for everyone that takes the time to listen and I can't wait to see you guys for the next episode. Bless up. One love.